This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. Welcome to the program again. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. We began our studies last week in the first part of Romans chapter 11. We got down through verse 15. Now in those verses we saw that God did not reject Israel, but because of their unbelief, only a remnant would be saved. In Romans 11:15, it says, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? You see, the Gentile world accepted the gospel more than the Jews did. Now, in a study today, we're going to look at an illustration of grafting and Paul's address to the Gentiles concerning that. So, first of all, we're going to see the illustration of the natural and wild olive tree branches, and that is Romans 11:16 through 24. In verse 16, if the first fruit is holy, so are the branches. Verse 16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. So, first fruits. You think about the word first fruits. The first fruits of the incoming harvest belong to the Lord under the law of Moses. You go back to Leviticus chapter 23 and look at verses 9 and 10. Leviticus 23 verses 9 and 10. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring the sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest. So Paul said the lump would be considered holy as well. That's the rest of the harvest, and it belonged to the people for their usage. Going back to what we looked at there in Leviticus. Now, from Abraham, the first fruits, to Moses, to Christ, there were those Israelites. They would be the branches who were faithful and deemed holy by God. In Romans 11:17, the Jews that rejected Christ were considered to be broken off branches. Romans 11:17. It says, "And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree." So again, he's addressing the Gentiles here. You know, the Jews that were disobedient were disobedient because they were not willing to submit to God. We go back to Romans 10, verse 3. Romans 10, 3 says, For they, being the Jews, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So the majority of the branches, that being the Jews, the original olive tree, were broken off from the tree. 
but there were a faithful remnant that were not. The wild olive tree refers to the Gentiles who were then grafted into the original olive tree or lump, and it also refers to the faithful remnant. That's the lump, the faithful remnant. In Ephesians 3, 4 through 6, we find that the Gentiles then became partakers with the faithful Jews. Ephesians 3, 4 through 6. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So Paul is, is going to warn the Gentiles, don't fall into the same trap that their Jewish counterparts did. And that's what he's going to say in Romans eleven eighteen. Romans eleven eighteen says, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. So in other words, don't be boasting that we're faithful and the Jews are not, because that lump bears you, the root bears you. You don't bear the root. And then we find that human pride causes us to look down our noses at those we consider to be not in the same class as we are. That happens far too often. Now we look in James chapter 2, and I want to read verses 1 through 4 from the American Standard Version, 1901. James 2, 1 through 4. My brethren, hold not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your synagogue a man with a gold ring and fine clothing, and there come in also a poor man in vile clothing, and ye have regard to him that weareth the fine clothing, and say, Set thou here in a good place. And ye say to the poor man, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. Do ye not make distinctions among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? You know, pride causes people to look down on others. The Gentiles needed to remember that they were grafted in. They were not the root. They needed to remember that God used Abraham's descendants to bring Christ into the world. Remember as well that all the apostles were Jews. The Jews were the first to obey the gospel. They're in Acts chapter 2. And it was a Jew by the name of Simon Peter that first took the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius. Now in verse Romans eleven thirteen, Paul, another Jew, was the apostle to the Gentiles. He said in Romans eleven thirteen, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office 
you know, Gentile conceit then would be totally out of place. Now, in Romans eleven nineteen, we see that a possible argument from the Gentiles. Romans eleven nineteen, thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. See, this is the haughty attitude that Paul warned them about. The Gentiles were not grafted in because of their own worthiness. In Romans 11.20, we find there the Jewish branches were broken off because of their unbelief. Romans 11.20. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. See, the Jews were warned that this would happen. You go back to Deuteronomy 28, and I'm going to look at three verses there. I'm going to look at verse 1, verse 15, and verse 45. So Deuteronomy 28, 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now look at verse 15. But if it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. So the Gentiles were grafted in because of their obedient faith. And you remember the Gentiles were warned not to be high-minded. The Greek word there is hypsilophroneo. Strong says that word means to be lofty in mind that is arrogant. Don't be arrogant. They Gentiles were warned to fear, phobeo. And Thayer's 1C definition of phobeo to reverence, venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. Now, Romans 11.21, if God did not spare the natural branches, he would not spare the grafted in ones either. Romans 11.21, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Again, God is no respecter of persons. In Acts 10, 34 and 35 at the household of Cornelius, you know, Peter is there, and he said this, as then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So the unfaithful, whether they be Jew or Gentile, will be broken off. And the faithful, whether Jew or Gentile, will be grafted in. 
In Romans 11:22, God we see is a God of goodness and severity. Romans 11:22. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity but toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. So he's warning them here that God is a God of goodness and severity. Now he's talking about those which fell, those Jews that were unfaithful. But he's saying toward you goodness, and then notice the little word, if. If you continue in his goodness. If you continue to be faithful. And then he says if you're not faithful, you'll be cut off too. The word goodness from the Greek word krestates. Thayer says that means moral goodness, integrity, benignity, and kindness. And then the word severity, apotami, ap, no, excuse me, apotamia. Thayer says that means severity, roughness, and vigor, or rigor, not vigor, rigor. Now I want to notice some things we learn from this verse. The first thing is God's goodness providentially cares for all of mankind. You know, Matthew 5.45, Matthew 5.45, Jesus said that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. We also understand from that verse, Romans 11.22, that God's goodness provided a savior for our salvation. You know, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We find that God's goodness toward us concerning our salvation also depends on us continuing in his goodness. You know, an example over in Revelation 2:10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. We find that God is a God of severity, there in Romans 11:22, And there are consequences for disobedience. Over in Matthew 25, 41, there, whenever Jesus gives us a, a look into what's going to happen on the judgment day. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then shall he say also to, them, also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So there are consequences for disobedience. And God's severity is toward them that fall fall away from him, become unfaithful, however you want to phrase that. In Hebrews 11.26, Hebrews 11.26, we find, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. We know it's a sin, we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to keep doing it. There's no more sacrifice for that. There's no repentance. So there can be no forgiveness. We find that if we do not continue in God's goodness, in other words, being faithful, we will also be cut off, or that is punished. 
back in Matthew 25:46 now. Matthew 25:46 speaking of those who are not faithful, these shall go away into everlasting punishment. But then speaking of those who are faithful, but the righteous unto life eternal. In Romans 11:23 we find that genuine repentance results in reconciliation. Romans 11:23. It says and they also if they abide not still in unbelief shall be grafted or graft in. For God is able to graft them in again. So God's blessings were conditional and they are conditional. The little word if, if they continue not in their unbelief, then God is able to graft them in again to salvation if they become faithful. In Romans 11:24, we find that God is able to graft back into the tree the original branches. Romans 11:24. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be graft into their own olive tree? So the Gentiles were the wild olive tree, the Jews are the natural branches. So Paul is saying that the Gentiles were converted to the truth even though they had a pagan background, wild olive tree. So how much more could the Jews who had the greater advantages be brought back into Christ? Now in Romans 11:25 to 32 we find the mystery, the blindness of Israel and the fullness of the gentiles first of all we see the mystery and its two elements and that's romans 11:25 romans 11:25 for i would not brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to israel until the fullness of the gentiles be come in the mystery refers to the fall of Israel and their consequence, consequent salvation upon their repentance. Two elements of the mystery here. Element number one is the blindness and hardening of Israel. More and more Jews rejected the gospel and were cut off from salvation. Element number two of the mystery is the fullness of the Gentiles. More and more Gentiles accepted the gospel and receive salvation. In Ephesians 3:19, Ephesians 3:19 we read, and to know the love of God which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And of course the church in Ephesus was a gentile congregation. A lot of gentiles in it. There were some Jews too, but a lot of gentiles. So since that time of Paul writing the book of Romans, until now there are more gentiles in the church than there are Jews now this mystery was designed in part to humble the gentiles 
to be not wise in their own conceits. And the blindness of Israel was only in part. You see, not all Israel was hardened against the gospel. There were those who believed and obeyed. In Romans 11.25, I want to read that verse again, focusing in on in part. So let's read the verse. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So it's only in part. Not every Jew is disobedient. Now, in Romans 11:26, Israel will be saved when, if, they are grafted into the lump. Romans 11:26. It says, and so. The word so there means likewise. In this manner, all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now some try to make this verse that say all of Israel will be saved, but that is not what it's saying. It is saying if Israel is faithful, they will be grafted back in and be saved. The word so there that we looked at, how to, means in this manner, thus or so, and that's Thayer's definition. So for a Jew to be saved, he or she must follow the example of the Gentiles, which is accept the gospel. All those who turn from their ungodliness and turn to the Savior, the deliverer spoken of, will be saved. In Isaiah 27, 9, Isaiah 27, 9, it says, By this therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin, when he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up when they destroy their idols. In Isaiah, Isaiah 59, 20, Isaiah 59, 20, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from the transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. So we see what Paul is referring to here. In Romans eleven twenty seven. The arrangement that God made for our salvation was our obedience to His gospel. Romans 11:27. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. That's God speaking. And we go back to Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. We find that salvation can only come through the new covenant God made with Israel and subsequently with the Gentiles. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me 
from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. You know, on the Day of Atonement, there was a remembrance made of sin. But God is now saying, that was under the Old, Testament, old Law, Law of Moses. God is now saying, this new covenant I'm going to make, I will not remember those sins anymore. In Romans 1.16, going back to that verse, Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. In Romans 11.28, we find that the Jews that rejected the gospel were enemies of the gospel. Romans 11.28 as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Well, there are those who are enemies of the gospel. Paul gives an example in Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. It says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross, cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So the Jews that accepted the gospel, those are those that are called the election, became part of spiritual Israel or the church. And, you know, every denomination and every other religion are enemies of the gospel, and some members of the churches of Christ are enemies of the gospel because they do not teach the truth of God's word. So this group, the elect, those beloved of God, that would include those like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at John 8. 56 to 58. John 8, 56 to 58. Says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is claiming his deity. Now, there are some mistranslations that say before Abraham was, I existed, or something like that. But he says, I am. You know, in Romans eleven twenty nine, we find that God does not go back on his promises. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, the gifts and blessings that are repentance talking about here refer to the promises made to Abraham there in Genesis 12 1 to 3 and God did not regret his covenant with Abraham and his descendants that's Hebrews eleven sixteen. so let's look at Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3 now it says now the Lord had said unto Abram get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. 
and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's promise given to Abraham. And then in, in Hebrews eleven sixteen, Abraham being among those that are mentioned, it says, But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city, those that are beloved of God, that Paul mentioned. In Romans 11.30, the Jewish rejection of the gospel led to the hastening of the gospel being taken to the Gentiles. Romans 11.30, For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. You see, God's plan included the Gentiles regardless whether or not the Jews accepted or rejected the Messiah. But the obstinacy of the Jews led to the gospel being spread to the Gentile world sooner. An example of that is Acts 13.46. While Paul and Barnabas are in the city of Antioch and Pisidia in the synagogue there. Acts 13.46, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, that being the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. You're not willing to accept it. We're going to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles then. In Romans 11.31, God has the same plan for both the Jew and the and the Gentile. Romans 11.31 Even so have these also not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. You see, the Gentiles were once disobedient, but now received God's mercy because of their obedience. I want to look in Ephesians 2.11-13. Ephesians 2.11-13 it says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. God has given the Gentile world the possibility for salvation through Jesus Christ, just as he did or does the Jewish world. In Ephesians 5.8, Ephesians 5.8, Paul said, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, walk as God would have you to walk or to live. In Titus 3, 3 through 6, we find the Jews who are disobedient can repent, obey, and receive God's mercy also. Titus 3, 3 through 6. Paul wrote there, Paul being a Jew, says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, 
not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus Christ our Savior. Now again, Paul is a Jew, Titus is a Gentile, and Paul is saying, we ourselves, referring to both Jew and Gentile. In Romans 11.32, we find that both Jew and Gentile were all disobedient. Romans 11.32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. The word concluded there from the Greek word sukleo, Thayer says it means to shut up together in clothes of a shoal of fishes in a net, to shut up on all sides, to shut up completely. So all were in unbelief, and God was willing to have mercy upon all. You know, Romans 3.23 just says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that both Jew and Gentile. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, we find that God through his great mercy had provided a way for all to escape the punishment of sin. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. There's the word us again, Paul being a Gentile, or excuse me, a Jew. The church in Ephesus, a lot of Gentile, and some Jews as well. Brother Tom Waycaster made this statement concerning the verse. Quote, And hence the apostle has come full circle from pronouncing the condemnation of all to the wrath of God, to the extension of God's wonderful mercy to all who have sinned. Unquote. And then in Romans 11:33 to 36, we see the greatness, the majesty, and the power of God. In verse 33, we see the riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God are past anything we humans can fathom. Romans 11:33. So though the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, when you see the little word both there, the word both is from the Greek word kai, K-A-I. It means and, also, even, indeed, or but. It doesn't mean both. And that was Thayer's definition that I gave you of the word kai. The literal translation translates the verse this way. Oh, the depth of the riches and of the knowledge and, excuse me, oh, the depth of the riches and of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There's not a both there. There's three things. The depth of the riches and of the wisdom and the knowledge. The word depth there is from the Greek word bathos. There's 1B number 2 definition of that word means of the deep things of God, profundity, 
that is by implication, extent, figuratively, mystery. The riches, plautos. Strong says that word means wealth as fullness, that is literally money, possessions, or figuratively, abundance and riches, richness, and then specifically, valuable bestowment. And then the wisdom, Sophia. There's 1B definition, supreme intelligence such as belongs to God. And then knowledge, gnosis, Strong says, knowing the act that is manipulation, knowledge. Vincent's word studies makes this comment on the verse, and I quote, As tributes of God, the distinction appears to be between general and special. The wisdom of God ruling everything in the best way for the best end. The knowledge of God, his wisdom as it contemplates the relations of things and adopts means and methods. The wisdom forms the plan. The knowledge knows the ways of carrying it out. Unquote. So his ways are unsearchable. The Greek word anexeriunetos. Thayer says that means that cannot be searched out. His judgments, krima. Strong says a decision, the function or the effect for or against. His ways, hados. There's number two definition, metaphorically, a course of conduct, a way, for example, manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding. Past finding out comes from one Greek word, and I'll try to pronounce it, anexiniastos, something like that. A-N-E-X-I-C-H-N-I-A-S-T-O-S. There says that word means that cannot be searched out, that cannot be comprehended. Uh, Roy Deaver wrote this on the verse, and I quote, The idea here is the tracks of Jehovah cannot be traced by human minds, unquote. And Tom Waycaster made this point, and I quote, Without divine revelation, we would never know what is in the mind of God. Or could man ever understand the love and compassion of our God without his communicating us that to us through his word? Unquote. In Romans 11.34, Paul just says, No one knows the mind of God or has counseled him. Romans 11.34 For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Well, in Isaiah chapter 40, look at verse 13. Isaiah 40, verse 13. says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, has taught him? Well, the answer is rhetorical in both places. There is none. In Psalm, look at verse or chapter 36, verses 5 through 7. Psalm 36, verses 5 through 7. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou that preservest man and beast, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In Romans 11.35 we find God owes no one anything. Romans 11.35 Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Well, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. In James 1.17, James wrote this, James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And God is the ultimate provider. Back in Romans chapter 11, now verse 36. Romans 11.36 for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Brother Robert Taylor wrote this of the verse, and I quote, For of him is a regal recognition that he is the source of all. Through him recognizes that he is the agent of all. To him recognizes that he is the goal of all, unquote. So all glory belongs to God on an eternal basis. And you think about it, what a wonderful God we have. Even though most of mankind, both Jews and Gentiles, reject him, he has provided a way for both Jew and Gentile, those who will submit themselves to him, God has provided a way to be saved. God provides for our physical needs, and God provides for our spiritual needs. He loves us even though it is because of us that Christ had to suffer and die on the cross. You know, the psalmist reflects on God in this way, and we should reflect on it as well for all that God has done and is doing for us. In Psalm 8, verse 9, Psalm 8, verse 9, he just simply said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Well, that brings us to the conclusion there of our studies there in Romans chapter 11. And we'll thank you for tuning in to be with us this time. And Lord willing, we will start in Romans chapter 12 in our next lesson. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.